0: Yeah. were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime Podcast. And I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today... We're going to be concluding the two-part series of Stick'Em Up. And this is a spoiler alert, y'all. If you haven't listened to the last Friday's episode, stick'em up. Go back and listen to them. Otherwise, this show is going to spoil your shit. Go back, listen to it, and then come listen to this one. And at the end of today's show, y'all, stay tuned. I'm going to be making a lot of announcements about real life, real crime and stuff that we have going on, and giving my shout-outs to the fans, etc. So stay tuned after the episode. Alright, so today we're going to conclude Stick'Em Up. Now, last week when I left you, I told you about the bank robbery in Albany, and the three males that committed the crime, and how they later found on a gravel road, and when approached by Assistant Chief Gregoire, two of them left in another vehicle with a driver and one of them hit the woods and we came in and set up a perimeter. And then hours later, through investigation of the vehicle that drove away, investigators were able to go to a trailer where one of the suspects was dropped off. And the female at that trailer took him and got him a hotel room in her name. Later, investigators got a search for one, were able to hit the hotel, but the guy was already gone. So we're going to pick it up and we'll explain to you a little bit more about how the process on an armed robbery or any major crime works like this. So we have the perimeter set up. Meanwhile, investigators are responding to the bank. And what's going to happen when they arrive there is they're going to separate the witnesses and get each of their statements individually. Now, typically, eyewitness statements or testimony is the most unreliable thing when they're faced with a crime of violence. Okay. Because when someone has a pistol stuck in your face, the only thing you're concentrating on is that barrel. And if you've ever had a gun or weapon pulled on you, you know, it could be the smallest caliber there is. And it looks like a Howard's or cannon when you're looking death in the eye. But anyway, they get there, they separate them. They interview them, get their sequence of events as to what went down and who they remembered going where and what bad guy did what, etc. Now, at the same time, when they respond, they're going to automatically call out the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab to process the scene for any evidence. And it's important because smaller agencies or just I don't know if that many agencies in the whole entire state of Louisiana other than the major cities that have their own crime lab because it's such a huge expense to run it. Right. But anyway, they call out the crime lab technicians and they'll show up on the scene and, you know, it's locked down now. Right. It's just like I told you before on homicides, et cetera, crime scene. Once investigators get there, they get the witnesses out. They don't interview them all up in the middle of the crime scene, but they get them out, get their statements, et cetera. And, and then the evidence or the crime scene is preserved for the, the lab technicians to come in and work it. And what they're going to do is come in and process any area where witness said that the bad guys may have touched the counters or the door or whatever, so, they're processing for fingerprints and DNA. And in this case, they, like I told you before, one of the dumbasses left a radio behind in his excitement in the bank. And it turns out to be the same dumbass that put that one bank employee down on her hands and knees and committed sexual battery against her. And apparently, he dropped the radio during his excitement of violating this poor woman. So, That naturally is taken as a piece of evidence and sealed and tagged in bag and sent to the crime lab for later processing for DNA and fingerprints. Meanwhile, at our other crime scene or the continuation of the first crime scene off the secluded gravel road, we have the perimeter set up and they try to track the guy finally and don't get him. But they did find like, I you think know, it was like 10 grand in cash and some, uh, more evidence from the bank. But at the same time, the investigators on that scene would have called for the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab to come out and process the vehicle. Now, these crime lab techs are awesome people. And over the years, as an investigator, you know, we have to call them out on any major crime scene. You get to know them, right? And they work a rotating shift on call outs. And when they come out on your scene and they process it and then you get to know them through that and then you get to know them, you have to go to the crime lab to go over the evidence they found as you work in the case and then preparation for trial and then you're sequestered outside of the courtroom or whatever. So you get to know these these guys and girls and there's, I think, more females, technicians than guys, but all of them are great people. Anyway, so they come to work the vehicle. Let me tell you how that's done. They will first photograph and video the outside of the vehicle, and then they work their way in, right? Careful not to touch any of the surfaces. Now, even though they still probably had an hour and a half or more daylight left when they got there, they wouldn't have processed that vehicle there on the scene other than to do the initial video and photographing and collecting uh Articles of evidence that were obvious, right, from the vehicle, which were the two cap pistols or fake toy guns, if you will, that were used. They were each tagged and bagged and and sealed with evidence tape and entered into the chain of custody. And then the real gun that was used, which turned out that it's the same guy who committed the sexual battery that was actually carrying the real gun. And the whatever wrappers or, or small stuff that they felt could be compromised during the towing of the vehicle to Louisiana State Police Crime Lab. And so what they do, they'll process anything that, that's obvious or that could be disturbed during the transportation of the vehicle. And then the vehicle is towed. A lot of times they'll put a tarp over it or whatever. It's, it's depending on the weather, but the vehicle is towed to the crime lab, and they put it in one of their bays and where they can really work it over at their leisure, if you will. Then there's another continuation of the crime scene at the motel where the girl had rented the guy a room, and they processed that room and were able to secure some clothing, which matched the clothing that this dumbass wore in the bank robbery, and it was sent to the crime lab also. So, the investigation continues. Crime lab people get done. The vehicle's towed. Now, investigators will work in the case from the point of identifying the people. The bad guys, if you will. Now, I told you the cameras inside weren't working, and they weren't. But there was one camera on the exterior over the door which was working. And it showed, dumbass, the same one who committed the sexual battery on the employee who was carrying the real pistol who left the communication device behind. He doesn't pull his mask down to right when he's entering the door. Now, not only did they catch him on the exterior video camera, but one of the employees was able to identify him from looking at him when he came to the door. Also, the driver of the vehicle that took two of the bad guys away from the gravel road, right? well, shit, they knew who they were, and like I told you last week, I believe they fully knew. They probably were the lookout that was inside, outside the bank or something, looking for the cops, and but you know they can't prove that. But they flipped him like a little bitch, and he gave up names of who he knew it to be. That was a 19 year old Tommy Cooper, who was originally from Michigan. And lived in Hammond, Louisiana, at the time, and I told y'all Hammond is the next city over across the Livingston Parish line from Albany, where the bank robbery occurred. And also Donald Pay, nineteen-year-old black male from Hammond. Also, those are the two that the driver took away, and took one of them to one location. The other one, which was Donald Pay, they dropped off at the female's trailer. And the female was also able to pick him out of a photographic lineup. I mean, she knew she did wrong. If the dude shows up, I'm sure he said they committed a bank robbery. Of course, she's not going to admit that. He shows up and she says he's nervous and needs to get out of the air quickly and all that. But she's just such a kind heart that she's going to take him and rent him a room, right? I don't believe that she knew every bit of it. But either way, she picks him out of a photographic lineup as being Donald Pay. And takes him and rents him in the hotel room. And so investigators end up ultimately issuing arrest warrants for Donald Pay, 19 years old. He's described as being 5 foot 9 inches tall and weighing approximately 150 pounds. He has a medium build, brown eyes and a thin mustache and short brown hair. He also has a tattoo of words, Payboy on his right arm that's P A separate word boy. Also a arrest warrant was issued for Tommy Cooper, who is described as a black male with a medium build and a light mustache and short brown hair, also resided in Hammond, Louisiana. The third arrest warrant was issued for a sixteen year old black male juvenile, which at the time they didn't release his name, because Being a juvenile in the state of Louisiana, they didn't release your information. And due to Louisiana laws on juveniles in cases, you can't release the names. So, but he was identified and an arrest warrant was made for him. And I'll go ahead and tell you his name. It was Nicholas pay. And at the time he was 16 years old, but he's the one evidently that hit the woods off of that gravel road, ran on foot. And Left over ten grand behind during his escape. Now Nicholas Pay is originally from Ben Harbor, Michigan, so arrest warrants are issued, and the FBI catch up with Tommy Cooper in a hotel room in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they took him down hard. He was known to be dangerous, right? He committed an armed robbery, even though he used a play gun, still an act of violence. And so they developed the leads and they set up surveillance on him and then got a search warrant and hit the hotel room, Mm -hmm. took him down pretty forcibly. Now Cooper, when he was arrested in North Carolina, had the warrant from Livingston Parish for the bank robbery, but he also had warrants out of the state of Michigan and they had put a hold on him first right before the bank robbery happened in Livingston Parish so they got first dibs on him on adjudicating his cases there so he waives extradition and gets shipped to the state of Michigan to go through whatever charges and cases that he has pending there but at that time Livingston Parish puts a hold on him if he's ever to get out of jail Cooper I'm talking about Is ever to get out of jail. If he's sentenced to prison, the, the day he gets out of prison, he doesn't even actually get out, right? They're waiting on him. His sentence ends there. Livingston Parish officials will be waiting to transport him back to Livingston Parish to stand trial. Also arrested in Michigan was Nicholas Pay, And they transported him back to be processed at the time as a juvenile. And once he was back here, He had his birthday within a month or so in the state of Louisiana. You can be charged as an adult at 17. You can be charged underneath if they find out that basically if you have the mentality, right? You're 16, almost 17, where you can be charged as an adult. And you're a little thug-like like like this little bastard was. They decided to process him as an adult regardless. So he gets processed in. come to find out that the three of them pay and Pay and Cooper have gang affiliations out of the state of Michigan right these are career punks and they were true bad guys all of them had charges pending from other cases including Donald Pay and from this point forward we're going to concentrate on Donald Pay who is arrested and booked into the Livingston Parish jail awaiting the trial process now while awaiting trial They have the usual probable cause hearing for what the arrest warrant was issued for. And again, y'all, that's just a freebie for the defense attorney to find out exactly what the state has that they're going to be bringing to trial, at least part of it, so they can start to prepare. But, of course, they challenge the probable cause and investigators get on and put on the testimony. And at the end, the judge finds probable cause, right? So, he goes through the process and the motions. And at the same time, remember that the state police crime lab is processing all this evidence. During their processing, they come back that the radio from the bank has Donald Pay's fingerprints and DNA on it. Also, from the vehicle, his fingerprints are on everything in the damn vehicle from a set of battery jumper cables to money wrappers from the bank to the actual firearm, the real gun that was used during the commission of the crime, his DNA and fingerprints were on it, right? And also the hotel room, like I told you, the clothes that were processed, it's Donald Pays, it's his DNA, et cetera, that's obtained from the clothing so the investigators built a really good case on this dude and he's just a dumbass and decides he's going to take it to trial now in the state of louisiana you do an armed robbery and then you get up to 99 years and that's the maximum sentence right but when you do an armed robbery you got to serve your time and you could be sentenced to 99 years without probation or parole so he's still gonna roll the dice i mean they knew that the state had really good evidence. I'm sure they offered him a plea bargain at some time to save the, the state the expense of the trial and the cost of the appeals. And that's what I'm gonna get into, y'all. We're gonna talk about the trial, but fucking appeals, man. And this guy's just it's egregious the amount of appeals and the money he costs the taxpayers. But we'll get to it. but he decides he's gonna roll the dice and go in. So trial starts. Okay. It's an all white jury. Not uncommon in Livingston Parish. It's like 95% white. There's only a couple of areas that are predominantly African-American in the entire parish. And one being an area in Denham Springs, which is the largest city. The second being a small area outside the city of Walker, which is the second largest city. And then there's a small area outside of town of Springfield, which is only like five miles away from Albany. And then there's a smaller area I told you about off of North cafe line road outside of Albany. And that's it. I mean, it's not racist. If you send out jury summons to your population and it comes in and that's all you got is white people. It's going to be a white jury. So anyway, it's all white jury. And, prosecution puts on all the evidence including the bank employee who saw Donald pay pulling down his mask which is the same thing the exterior camera showed and she testified that she was 80 to 95 percent sure that that was him period and of course she had picked him out of the photo lineup ahead of time before trial the camera I mean, hell, they could, it was a pretty good shot of the dude, right? And the jury sees the camera evidence and shit, Donald Pay's sitting right there. There's no mistaking it. And then the license plate, the temporary license plate from the car, the state police get, the crime lab techs get up and they testify that the fingerprints on the temporary license plate and the duct tape the genius used to secure it to the vehicle, come back to Donald Pay. The... Communication advice left behind in the bank after he committed sexual battery on the female victim, came back down on pay. The, I mean, this is what the testimony is showing. And then, you know, they're telling the jury who's hearing this all for the first time. And then they put on the witness, the driver that took pay and Cooper away from the gravel road and took pay to the trailer. That driver testified to that and that it, what he was wearing, et cetera. And then the female who testified that he was all excited and what he was wearing, et cetera, and said he needed to get out of the area quick as she ran in the room. And the crime lab text testified that the clothing in the room had Donald Pays DNA on it. And they were like identified as the same clothes that he was wearing on camera. So um, pretty fucking airtight case, right? Yeah, dumbass wanted to roll the dice. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, bet you they offered him. I don't know for sure, and I should have checked, I guess, but they probably offered him like 40 years or something like that, and he just didn't take it. He wanted to go to trial, take that shit to trial. I mean, that's, and They used to have a song about that. So he goes, and doesn't take long. He does not testify on his own behalf. The prosecution puts up. The defense tries to poke holes in the witnesses, etc. And it's just an airtight case. They absolutely jam up job by the district attorney's office. And and my friend, Greg Murphy, who y'all heard me mention before, is the one who did the prosecution. And he's just solid, solid, solid. Never. He ain't going to take shit to trial. That isn't a really, really good case. And so, anyway, jury comes back guilty, armed robbery. Big shocker, right? So the judge comes out and sentences him Donald Pay to 70 years at hard labor then they ship his ass off to the department of corrections and so he's going to Angola because anybody that gets that kind of lengthy sentence basically goes to Angola and over i think it's over 5000 or 5500 inmates in the louisiana state penitentiary at angola over 4800 of them have life plus sentences and the rest of them would be the long-termers like Donald pay on um, robbery, 70 years, 70 years. I mean, he can get out and he's going to die there. Or I mean, unless he lives to be 89 years old. And that's it. As far as the trial part, great case, great prosecutorial work, great detective work, etc. But one of the sad parts about the trial where the bank employees testify, a couple of them can't even, work in a bank anymore. They testified about depression. They testified about anxiety, about being scared all the time and sleeping with a pistol by their bed. And of course the victim who he rubbed on our jones areas is, you know, very distraught, etc And it's really sad for those ladies. Basically it's PTSD, right? Post traumatic stress disorder. Same thing. If you were fighting on a battlefield in Iraq you come home with it, that type of violent situation affects people differently. But some of these ladies were really, really kind of messed up about it and understandably so. Even though they didn't kill anybody, it's still a really bad, bad crime. And I I don't think most people realize the level of mental violence that a a robbery creates. So anyway, Donald Pegg goes away. Boom. Bye-bye. See you later. But this asshole starts his appeals. And he actually won his first appeal. And they said the judge incorrectly sentenced him. And he won that because the judge didn't wait the 24-hour period at least before the sentencing. So the court sends it back down. And uh, it's no big deal, right? It doesn't change anything. All they have to do is ship his ass back to Livingston, give him a court date. And the judge has to re-sentence him. Correctly after X amount of times. So, I mean, it's just a fucking waste of money in taxpayer dollars. And just, I mean, it doesn't even produce any result. It's not going to overturn the conviction. But then he goes on and files nine more separate appeals. And this is what pisses me off. He's defended by Bertha Hillman of the Louisiana appellate project and she's out of Thibodeau, Louisiana, which is way down South in Cajun country. But here's the deal. I'm going to go to the appeals. I mean, it's just stupid, but this lawyer is getting paid. They're going to file every fucking thing they can think of. You know why? Because they're getting paid. Your tax dollars are paying for it. The appellate project, they getting paid. And so why do they file all these ridiculous appeals, Because they're making money. Not because they ever expect to win. And wait till you hear how stupid some of them are. But. Really burns my ass. When they do this. So first of all they appeal. To the Louisiana Appellate Courts. And the Louisiana Higher Court. And it ultimately ends up in the federal court system. So it's not just one appeal y'all. It's going through each level. Higher level of the court system. Until it reaches the federal system. And then. It goes to the federal magistrate, which is a lower court judge. And then the magistrate rules against him also. And then he appeals it to the federal judge. And the federal judge in this case was Judge James Brady, who's now deceased. And he he's a great guy. And my college roommate was his son, Sean Brady. And he's now the head track coach for Texas A&M University. But let me read you the appeals and what his basis were. So he appeals... Or the lawyers appeal for him because they're making all the fat jack, right? On eight different counts, y'all. The first ground for appeal was: Pay says his sentence of 70 years was constitutionally excessive. All right, I'm going to read them real quick and then we'll go back to them. Ground two: there was insufficient evidence to support his armed robbery conviction. Ludicrous. Ground 3. The indictment was defective because it was not brought in open court. Bullshit. Ground 4. The trial court gave an erroneous jury instruction on the law of principles. Ground 5. He was denied the right to testify on his own behalf. Ground 6. The trial court erred when it failed to charge the jury on circumstantial evidence and trial counsel was ineffective for failing to object to the deficiency. Ground seven, his right to a fair trial was violated when there were no African-Americans in the jury guardia as as a jury selection process. And he received ineffective assistance of the counsel on appeal when appellate counsel failed to assert this claim on appeal. In ground eight, he's appealing because he was denied effective assistance of counsel in several aspects all right this is like a shotgun blast they're throwing mud at the wall and hoping something will stick the first one his sentence was constitutionally excessive really ridiculous the lawyer is a dumbass and they weren't making money you mean, they should be sanctioned i think for even bringing this up But the petitioner initially contends that his 70-year sentence is excessive. In this regard, the Eighth Amendment protects against cruel and unusual punishments. In order for the petitioner to establish cruel and unusual punishment in this context, he must establish that the punishment meted out to him was grossly disproportionate to the crime he committed. So, I love what the Supreme Court comes back and says. First of all, I didn't tell y'all. Donald Pay, while he's awaiting trial in the Livingston Parish jail, is charged with two counts of aggravated rape of another inmate. And what that means is, aggravated rape is, I'm assuming that he committed sodomy or he anally raped this guy. So it's penetration, but it's by force. So he must have had some type of weapon and held him down and raped him. All right. So. He was charged with the two counts of aggravated rape. And then this is while he's awaiting his bank robbery charge. Now, before the court sentences anybody to jail after the trial, they do what they call a pre-sentence investigation. And that's where an officer gathers all the factual information about the bad guy, about their criminal history, you know, how they're raised, all of this. Stuff and they do a report, and it's kind of like a recommendation for the judge on a sphincter scale, if you will, of how bad of a bad guy they are. So the court comes back and they know about the aggravated rates that are pending from the pre sentence investigation report. And this is the only time I've ever seen this. The court not only denied that Donald Pay, the dumbass, sentence was not excessive, they added a footnote to it and it said, the court further notes, as conceded by a petitioner in his supporting memorandum, that his pre-sentence investigation report reflected that he had previously played no contest to illegal possession of stolen things and simple burglary of an inhabited dwelling and was on probation in connection with those crimes when he committed the armed robbery. It says it, it's a defense, but that means the armed robbery. Charges were also pending against him in connection with two aggravated rapes he allegedly committed while incarcerated in the Livingston Parish Jail. Court says that the defendant poses an imminent threat to public safety and should be sentenced to the full 99 years without Benefit of probation and parole. Actually, the PSI said that, but the federal court comes back and puts this on the record, right? Not only is your 70 years not excessive, dumbass, you should have got 99 without probation or parole. So don't come crying about getting 70 when you affected those people and you violently robbed them. All right, let's move to the second one, y'all. Petitioner's claim. Number two, alleged insufficiency of the evidence is without merit. Basically, what he's saying is that there was insufficient evidence to establish that he was one of the perpetrators of armed robbery that occurred on June 20th, 2003. Okay, How ridiculous is that? If you can get a better case short of having video from the interior inside the bank, but you have his DNA and fingerprints inside on a device that he left behind. You have eyewitness that picked him out of the photo lineup. You have the video over the door where the dumbass didn't pull his mask down before walking through you have everything I told you. You have his DNA on the real firearm that's left behind in the vehicle. You have his DNA on bank wrappers and fingerprints on bank wrappers in the vehicle. You have his fingerprints in the car on the temporary license plate from Wisconsin and the duct tape used to secure it to it. I mean, you have all the eyewitnesses that after the robbery, etc. It's just a jam up case that Greg did a great job. But guess what? Appellate attorneys, they don't give a shit. They're just making a buck. So the, course, the court goes back and lists all that and just basically says, you're stupid, denied. All right, the third one is where he challenges the grand jury thing. And that's just technical BS, saying that the charges had to be read in open court, whatever. The grand jury is a secret grand jury where they hear the evidence in the case and they vote. as 12 people and they vote to true bill, which means there is evidence to proceed with the criminal charges are no true bill. So they voted and it was all done legal and above boards. And this is appellate attorney. Shame on you for making an extra buck. You know this is going to be denied, but you do it anyway. And then you appeal it all through the state courts, all the way to the federal court, top federal courts. Burns my ass. Denied, by the way. For The trial court gave an erroneous jury instructions on the law principles. And what they were challenging here, y'all, they were saying that specifically the judge had to tell the jury that if there was nothing beyond circumstantial evidence to tie Donald pay the dumbass to the crime, then they had to find him not guilty. Well, that's not true. okay? the prosecution puts on their case, whether it's circumstantial or physical or whatever, and it's just more fluff. Throwing something against the wall, hoping it sticks. Absolutely denied. Dumbass. Number five, he was denied the right to testify on his own behalf. He could say this after all these years go by, that his defense attorney wouldn't let him testify, and but there's no proof to it. And his trial attorney said that was bullshit. And he's just lying at this point to try to get out. And, of course, the appellate attorney, I'm sure, Knows this, but again, there she's trying to make an extra buck and it's denied. Dumbass. Six that his own trial counsel was ineffective for failing to object to the deficiency on the trial court, Aaron to charge the jury about circumstantial evidence. Same thing I already told you about. Stupid without merit, absolutely denied. And seven. His right to a fair trial was violated when there were no African-Americans on the jury. The federal court came back and said that's not Livingston Parish's fault. If you get some in, it's not like clerk of court is sitting back there pulling only white folks to get on the jury. It's based off the population. It, the names are randomly selected. And it just so happened that during the voir dire, which is the jury selection, that there were no African-Americans present. It's, it is what it is. So it was denied. And then on the eighth one, he comes back, basically reasserts everything about he was denied effect counsel. And he goes back saying his attorney didn't let him testify and that his attorney didn't challenge this. And his attorney didn't challenge that. and Why, 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 whatever it was denied. Okay, so but I want you to know about when it finally reaches the highest court in the land, which is Judge Brady that it's going to reach and he, this is all ultimately denied. Guess what year it is? 2017. So the robbery happened in 2003 he goes to trial. He gets convicted and he appeals it for over 12 to 13 years. I mean, I don't get it. The longer your sentence is, the worse your crime is. It seems like the more appeals they give you. Now, death row, I told you all about it costs so much more to put a person to death in the state of Louisiana than it does to house them forever. And that's because of the cost of the appeals. These appellate attorneys that are sitting out there just shooting lawsuits in and challenges, etc. cetera. Well, guess what? Somebody's got to pay for that on the Livingston Parish DA's office still has to answer all this stuff and it just runs up a humongous tab and I don't agree with it. And I just think if you're found guilty, unless there's something that's just super stupid, outrageous, you know, you shouldn't even get any more pills. Now, I'm not saying that we don't convict innocent people and those cases shouldn't be fixed, but I'm talking about shit like this. You get 12, 13 plus years on appeals costing millions of dollars because you're dumbass, You know, you're an ineffective robber of a bank and you left everything with your handwriting on the wall and the chain of evidence. And it's a slam dunk. You should not be allowed to appeal for that amount of time and cost us as the taxpayers that amount of money to defend it. And finally, it reaches Judge James Brady and he Says, basically, that's it. That's enough. You're done. All your pills. Don't try to appeal any more stuff. You're done. Dumbass. You're done. You're done. You're done. It's over with. Enjoy your 70 years. But it's not over. Our friend Donald Pay and I'm going to make this short, but it's kind of funny, later files another suit. But this time, he files it against Warden Burl Kane, who is the warden of Angola that I told y'all about in the past. He's not now, he's retired. And numerous other correctional officials, etc. In this federal lawsuit, he alleges that his constitutional rights have been violated by all the... He lists everybody y'all from the warden to the lowest trainee on staff uh, by name, so I'm not going to go into that. Complain his constitutional rights have been violated by the failure to protect him from excessive force by untrained... And un for failure to protect him from excessive force by untrained and unsupervised officials and violation of the eighth amendment. (laughs) And so basically he gets his ass beat for being a little punk bitch that he is. And he files a federal lawsuit where he names everybody from the warden on down again, shotgun and hoping something to stick, but he doesn't, Actually, list the names of the people who allegedly attacked him in the lawsuit. And he's trying to get a temporary restraining order, an injunction against David Templeton and the guy that ran Camp C. Now, how stupid is this? I mean, he files it once again back in federal court. Say, oh, I got my ass beat, and you didn't provide sufficient training for your correctional officers to protect me so I got my ass beat and now I want to sue you for not providing me with enough security in Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. Hey bitch it's called hard labor. Hard time. Not not summer camp. Okay where you can go tattle and if you get your ass beat, you get your ass raped or whatever you got it coming to you. You should have thought about that. The possibility, you know what? I might go to prison one day and there might be somebody bigger, badder, or stupider than me that's going to take advantage of me, make me their bitch, beat my ass, and do all these vile things to me that I, like I did, and I raped the boy in Livingston Parish jail. Guess what? Karma's a bitch. Donald Pay, enjoy your time. And of course, y'all, this, like all his other federal suits were denied and thrown out so that's going to conclude part two of "Stick 'Em up and donald pay is doing forever y'all and he's not getting out and i'm gonna do sphinx scale i'm give this asshole at least a nine now it's not a murder but he did rape and he did offend sexually. I mean, if you're going to take the time during an armed robber because you, you think a chick is hot to make her get down on her hands and knees so you just rub her. I mean, it doesn't even make logical sense, right? This dude's an animal. And he already had numerous prior charges as an adult. Hell, he's only been an adult for a year or in the state of Louisiana, possibly two years, 17 to 19. And you're doing this. No telling what the hell he did as a gangbanger punk bitch up in Michigan. So nine for you, Donald pay and enjoy his time. Y'all that's going to conclude this episode. Now I'm going to make some announcements. I want to tell you, I love all our fans. You absolutely are killing it, man. I mean, you wouldn't believe just on Sunday We hit 50,000 downloads in 84 countries across the world. And today is Tuesday, y'all. We already hit 53,000 downloads. That's 3,000 more downloads Sunday in two days. So it's due to you, the fans, supporting me, supporting Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, and and sharing us, y'all. Liking and sharing is so important. If you like us, that you share us. Uh, tell somebody about us. And if you can't be a patron, memory and patrons are, are fans who subscribe to the podcast and they get extra bonus stuff, Lanyap stuff, and, and Lanyap being the Cajun word for extra bonus or free. And they get a lot of stuff, right? They get discounts on our merchandise store, com. They get bonus episodes they get early releases they get the hotline number where they can call in and ask anything or say anything and we've done three hotline episodes thus far y'all and they've been a huge success but if you can't support us through patreon i don't care just take a little moment to tell somebody else about it share it in those facebook crime groups and um, when people are asking for recommendations And, you know, I really appreciate each and every one of you. This y'all. I've gotten some great response from fans telling me just things that you wouldn't believe. And I really appreciate it. It makes it all worthwhile. But if you are not a member of a private Facebook page, real life, real crime, friends, fans and crew, go check it out. Send us requests. And we have the dream team of moderators and they are awesome. They'll get you approved and get you in and you get so much more bonus material and interaction of the fans and stuff. And we're on there every day. Even if you're not a patron member, go join that page. You'll get extra stuff just by being a part of it. And we have our Real Life real Crime Lanyap page that was created for our fans to share their different interests and arts or crafts or whatever they would sell me. I like beer and hot sauces and stuff like that and sauces and stuff. And I'm, I'm going to trade with fans from different areas of the country and want some stuff. And I'm going to send them some Louisiana stuff and they're going to send me some of their favorite stuff. So it's, it's for whatever extra that you want uh, a good way for our fans to interact. It's pretty cool. So that being said, I want to give much-due shout-outs to our newest patron members. And last week's episode, I gave a shout-out to a bunch of new patron members. I'm going to do that today. The first one, and I forgot to do last week, or uh, came in right after I was recording, beginning to record, is the person who calls himself Conspire Carrot. Now, that's C-O-N-S-P-I-R-E-R carrot c-a-r-r-o-t will conspire carrot whoever you are i love and appreciate you and really want to thank you for joining patrons support us that way it means a lot it helps out then we have ellen smolenski s-m-o-l-e-n-s-k-i ellen we love you <laughs> i really appreciate you taking the time to support us through patron. I'm telling you, y'all, it, it takes a lot on these episodes and, and it helps us. Your donations, they help us and I appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy your your benefits, Ellen. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And Kendall Passmore, that's P A S S M O R E. Thank you, Kendall, or Kendall, for joining me and supporting me through Patreon in real life, real crime. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. And I hope you enjoy your your patron benefits. Miss Kathy Morris, Miss Kathy, thank you so much. Uh, Miss Kathy just joined up yesterday. Miss Kathy, I really appreciate you and I thank you for supporting the show. It really, truly is a blessing and it helps. Thank you so much. And Miss Kathy, y'all don't be afraid to use that hotline number and call it in, okay? Today we've had three before i started broadcasting the first one is i don't know if it's Jaime or jami but it's spelled j-a-i-m-i-e and the last initial of j so i'm gonna call you I'm about i just call you j <laughs> j really appreciate you taking the time to sign on through patron and support real life real crime it's awesome I really wanna thank you. I sent you a message today, like I sent all of our new patrons, but you use your benefits and, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Jay. And Miss Keisha, and then the last name is the first or the initial N is in November. Miss Keisha, I really appreciate you. It's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to support us and you get your hotline number, et cetera, and Ms. Keisha, call us in a question, and I'll play it on the air for you, and I'll answer it for you, okay? I really appreciate you, and I thank you for taking the time to support us. And Miss Lisa Chase, C-H-A-S-E, came in today also. Ms. Lisa, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Miss Lisa, use the hotline, call us in a question. And right now I'm taking questions on the hotline for any questions you may have on a past episode of Real Life Real Crime that you may have thought of that I didn't cover during the show or just something you may have thought of. So, patron members, get those questions in and we're going to shoot out an episode on that. And actually, next week, patron members, I'm going to release a hotline on The Jessica Chambers case. Now, if you don't know who Jessica Chambers is, please Google her. It's a pretty infamous case, and it's simply the worst, worst case I've ever seen as far as law enforcement screwing the pooch, if you will. On how they effed up this investigation. So Jessica Chambers. Most of y'all are already familiar with it. I've gotten requests. And we messaged back and forth. About who they wanted to do a hotline episode on. And Jessica Chambers is the case. So there's a couple documentaries on her case. You can find anything online. So look it up. Uh, send me your questions on that. So but I appreciate y'all patron members and I appreciate all you real life, real crime fans. I appreciate my dream team moderators and I appreciate my wife for doing all this editing and putting up with me. But I thank y'all so much. And if you like what we're doing, share it and tell somebody about it. Right. And if you don't like it, send me a comment. We're always trying to improve and make changes that are positive and to give you a better Show a better podcast. So I'm going to tell you something. We're going to finish out the month of June. It's another homicide case. And then in the first week of June, I'm sorry, we're going to finish out the month of May, not the month of June. We're going to finish out this month on an episodes on homicides. Okay. Then the first week of June, we're going to crime con in yours. And yes, we will be there. And then uh, we're going to do a live polygraph from crime con on one of our dream team moderators, I'm going to conduct a polygraph and we're going to do it live on Facebook to our private group page. So that'll be advertised ahead of time and it's being debated. The one of the dream team moderators wants to be sprayed in the face with freeze plus P live and on Facebook. And I just don't know if I can do that to the poor girl because she doesn't Mm. know what she's getting into. But we're going to debate that. And still kick it around. Also, in June, y'all, I'm going to start having guests on the show. All right, I already have this month, the rest of this month planned out in the first week of June. But from then on, I'm going to start having some guests on the show. And they're going to be law enforcement or victims or witnesses to the crimes that my episodes are going to cover. And I'm not going to take any more of your time. I've taken a lot. And I know this episode or the two episodes, stick them up or different. Not a lot of blood, not a lot of guts or sex or whatever. But I think it's important to, that's a pet peeve of mine. It's the whole pills process. And I hope you enjoyed it. But either way, that's it. I'm Woody Overton. and Until next time, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Thanks. She do me